and welcome to Backcheck the Hockey History Podcast. Uh, this is a Hall of Fame class of 1992 episode. My name is Riley. I'm with Bill. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. And today we have once again a, a full contingent. Uh, after many, many years of, of fewer than four players, we got four players. Those players are uh, Woody Dumart, uh, Lanny McDonald, Bob Gainey, and Marcel Dion. And that's the order we're going to talk about it. Uh, them in in maybe a rough order of like from like least serious case to most serious case I don't know we're gonna see so um, Woody Dumart uh, is is famous for being part of the crowd line he played uh, from 1935 until 1942 then he went to the war like many other people did and then he played again from 45 to 54 so he had a, quite a long career um, actually finishing second all time in games when he retired uh, and he was also at his retirement, 21st all time in goals, 25th all time in assists and, uh, 21st all time in points. So, you know, he had played a long time and he, uh, at least by longevity standards for the time, you know, he was at least sort of on some leaderboards. Uh, he does not have any, um, uh, per game, notable per game things though. Cause we're talking about a player who scored 430 points in 774 games. So well off. It was a lower scoring era, but still, even for that era, that's not a ton. He was obviously not drafted because he played well before the draft. Um, Era-wise, uh, of the 16 skaters, made at least seven 82-game seasons between 35 and 54. Dumar is 8th in goals, 8th in goals per game, 11th in assists, 11th in assists per game, 9th in points, and 11th in points per game. Um, so, you know, around a top 10 player. And um, I don't know what we do with that since half of his career was a six-team league and the other half it was a seven or eight-team league. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it might it might be a good um, one thing I will point out is that you know we've talked many times about how unreliable defensive point shares are. Not that we have anything better for back then, but of the players of his era, he is the first forward in terms of defensive point shares for that era. I don't know if that means anything at all. It probably doesn't. That's a thing. Um, his 82 game averaged 46 points, so you know not great, but again, partly depressed um, by the air he played in. His three-year peak, a 48 game average in 39 to 42 of 41 points, so almost a point per game at his peak at a time when only a few players in the league were really scoring a point per game. Uh, his playoff stats are uh, kind of icky. Uh, 27 points in 88 games uh, is is not is 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 extra. It's like significantly worse than his <laughs> regular season stats. <laughs> um, now, I don't know if he was, uh, uh, you know, it, like I said, hockey references, defensive point share, say he's a, he was a good defensive forward, but who the hell knows? Yeah. Era wise of the 79 players play at least 41 playoff games between 35 and 54. Dumar is 28th in goals, 28th in assists and 27th in points. And if you do per game, it's twice as bad. 53rd in goals per game, 54th in assists per game and 54 in points per game. So that, that looks really, really bad to me. Um, you know, significantly worse numbers in the playoffs and, uh, and, um, you know, really nowhere near a top per offensive performer. And the big question of course is, was, was the crowd line playing some kind of shutdown role in the playoffs? Yeah. And I, I don't know the answer to that. Adjusting for error really, really helps him. It bumps his 82 game average up to 67 points, so that's 21 points better. 
that's given when Dumart played, it's somewhat likely that's reasonably fair because he played at least a chunk of his era in the original six. Of course, um, his his numbers, uh, you know, it, it, the adjustment for the 30s is a little crazier, and he did score a fair number of points in the 30s, but, like, it's reasonable to assume he's closer to a, like, you know, 60-something put points per 82 games player than 40-something in in a historically, in a world where there's no historical difference. Um, his uh, versus X, of course, likes him a little bit more than uh, than hockey reference for the adjustment, bumps him up to 789 points instead of 640. Um, but um, still, like, not, you know, I mean, I guess that would put him at, actually, that puts him over a point per game for uh, uh, versus X, but I don't, I don't know that that's reasonable. Um, so he was a top 10 player twice, both before he went to the war in 40 and 42, by, and that's by point shares. He was a top five offensive player in 40, and um, there's a weird thing where Hockey Reference says he's a top 10 defensive player in 42, and it seems like Hockey Reference has somehow classified him as a defenseman that year. I could find no record that he was a, play, a defenseman, and what happens is Hockey Reference bumps up defenders... Uh, point shares when they have a lot of points. And so I think what happened is he had a, a typical points for a forward. He had 29 points in 35 games that season, and they treated him as a defenseman. And so I think it's really actually he had one good year is what we're talking about. Um, and that, because uh, I couldn't find, I didn't like spend hours looking, but I couldn't find any information that he had played defense for more than a few games in his entire, entire career. So that seems like it's not real. Um, he was top five in goals once, top five in goals for game twice, top ten assists twice, top five in points once. We're talking about a guy who was not a dominant offensive player. Second All-Star team twice, three times, my, my apologies, and two All-Star game appearances. So this is a left-winger, of course, and we've talked many times about how left-wingers sometimes make first and second team All-Star teams for seasons that aren't really that great. And it sure seems like Dumart meets that category. He was also on a, a good team, right? He was on the Bruins at a time when the Bruins were good, and he was on a famous line. Um, so here's, I, I as I've, I've said, especially as we talk about these old guys um, from the you know 40s and 50s, I really like the versus X peak adjustment, which compares a, a player's uh, seven and ten best seasons to all other players' best seven and 10 seasons. And this is where Dumart is for best seven seasons. He's 103rd all time in goals, 238th in assists and 167th in points. And for 10, uh, it gets a little bit better. 102nd in goals, 221st in assists and 150th all time in points. And that is getting into territory that I am really not comfortable with inducting somebody further offensive achievements. I mean, at least he qualifies on, unlike say Edgar Leprad, but, uh, I mean, those are not, those are not great rankings, right? Uh, no, really not. No, it's, uh, they're not good. It sounds like a, like a perfectly serviceable player, but not, you know, not the sort of elite that we would want in the hall of fame. Yeah. So, um, he, he won two Stanley cups and, uh, he had a by points. He had a top six role on both of them, and I say by points because once again he might have been a good defensive forward. I don't know if the Kraut line was playing um, a, a shutdown role 
or whether because when we talked about uh, the third member of it um, a few episodes ago, he also didn't have a lot of points in the playoffs. So maybe this is a thing, and maybe someone out there knows that they really did, and that's why they didn't score a lot. But he had his best year in the playoffs was in '51. The Bruins got eliminated um, in the first round, and he uh, he was the best offensive player on their team, and he did that by scoring. Uh, three points in uh in six games which is not great um he had more points in like in 46 he had uh, uh seven points in 10 games but other players on the team scored more so he really doesn't have great uh playoff numbers and uh the only other claim to fame he has is that he was probably the best player on an allen cup champion the uh during uh, like 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 other players we have talked about uh, whose careers were broken up in the war, he went and played for an army hockey team, or in this case, Air Force, and won an Allen Cup, like a lot of guys did. And and he, like, I don't remember off the top of my head, um, I'm see if I can pull it up, he had, like, an absurd number of uh, points in the Allen Cup. But he was, of course, an NHL player playing in a senior tournament, so that's going to happen. Yeah, it's good, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so he had, uh, he had 23 points in 13 games. But, you know, NHL player playing in the senior tournament. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I ran through this, and I ran through it because there's not a lot here. He might have, like, we can go and look his best, his best year, point, total points-wise. He scored 52 points in 60 games in, uh, in 47, or his second-team All-Star. And he was... Uh, 10 points off Milt Schmidt's pace for that season. Um, I, I think very, I feel very similar to I, I think it was Harry Watson, the other Bruin. Um, I should, I should really Google Krautline. No, it wouldn't have been Harry Watson. Cause um, he's not, he doesn't have a German name. Uh, it was uh, Bobby Bauer. Oh, weird. Okay. Um, it must have it must have changed over the years. It wasn't Bobby Bauer. I mean, we might have talked about Bobby Bauer. I don't remember anyone. Anyway, this is a guy who was not the best player on his team, and uh, doesn't appear to have shown up super well in the playoffs unless he had a defensive role. And I just I'm not really sure. Like another year, he had 43 points in 48 games, and again he was nine points behind Milt Schmidt for the team lead. Like it just doesn't feel like there's much here. Yeah. There's more than the prod. I oh, think. definitely, yeah. But, like, that was a really, really terrible, like, case. Like, they just picked some, they're like, hey, we need more Rangers from the 50s. Pick this dude, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, like, here, it's like, I don't know, like, you said last time when we talked about the crowd line, I think you, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned that, um, you know, sometimes these fond lines get sort of, like, overrated in people's memories, and I'm, kind of got think that this is a case of that because well it's it's i think there's um you know like like when we were talking about um uh cook you know being part of that of one of those famous lines definitely yeah. um helps your case winning cups helps your case um yeah. and then they've also got the romantic well i mean they, they did have one incredible season where they finished one two three league scoring yes um 
So, and, and that's before they left for the war, right? So they, they gave up yeah. some prime years of their career to go and, and serve in the Canadian army because they were all from Kitchener. Um, yeah. I think the fact that sort of like two of them are in and one of them isn't is probably what gets them in. Like you want to have the whole line in there. Yeah. Um, and just sort of like the, the extra uh, added bonus of them doing something so courageous, you know, when they were sort of at the top of their game and winning cups and they're like, no, we're going to go and, you know, serve in the army. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I think that's what gets them in, right? It's, uh, the, the sort of the, the famous line, the going to war, uh, in the middle, you know, in, in the prime of your career and the cups, and then having two parts of the line sort of, I don't know, for some people, maybe it just doesn't feel right. So I, I think that's why it gets in. Um, I think the point about the war is really good. And also maybe explains a lot more of these inductions than, because we've been sort of, there's a bunch of guys from this era that who were inducted in the 90s that we've sort of been hashing over and a couple of them played, or sorry, played, went went to serve and, and still ended up playing hockey, played hockey in the war. And I don't know what their jobs were, but they went overseas anyway, or at least were in the army. Like my grandfather was in the army, but never went overseas. So I don't know how many of these um, players were in that situation where they were just at a base, like doing some logistical job or whatever. But I do think there's definitely a bunch of people who probably strongly believe, well, they served. And like, I, I, I don't for a second think you should punish guys for like losing their primes to, to volunteering, especially if they volunteered to, to, to serve as, you know, we're talking about like his 20 age, 26, 27, 28 seasons. So his prime, but, it shouldn't be like the reason, you know, and it does feel a little bit like it could be the reason with Dumart. Um, aside yeah. from, like you said, the fact that like uh, the other guys were in, um, I, uh, I don't know. I, I don't see a lot here. And I think that, yes, at least some of it could be, well, you know, he served and he, and people are like, you know, projecting he would have had some better years. You know, it was his prime. He did score 0. 0.9, 0. 0.8, and 0. 0.8 points per game in the three seasons leading up to the war, and then he came back and was 0. 0.6, 0. 0.8, and 0. 0.6. So you can see the argument, you know. But does that mean he belongs in the Hall of Fame? I, I don't know that I agree with that. Um, well, I, I, I think it's, I think it's, uh, it has a lot with them um, going off to war and even. Uh, you know, when it's like a pretty famous scene in the NHL, because back in those days when you were a, a rival with someone, you hated their guts. Yeah. Um, but they, they knew all three of those guys were going off to war and uh, they played their last game against the Canadians. So there was like a sort of a big send off because they knew that all three of them were going to uh, were going to um, serve in the Royal Canadian Air Force. So, yeah, um, I, I think that has that, you know. Yeah, I, I, and, 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 you know, maybe like we we never watched him play. Right. So maybe yeah, he's sort of that that defensive forward that lets the other two guys really uh, get up and down the ice. So they have more points than him because he's sort of holding down the fort and helping yeah. out his center and his right winger. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Um, it could very well be. Yeah. There's, there's, that's definitely possible. I just, I, I just, I need, you know, I need someone to, as you say, Bill, buy me a beer mm-hmm. and try to convince me. Cause on, yeah. on the, on paper, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. Yeah. Um, Speaking of being on the fence about things, well, I, I'm a little less on the fence with Dumart, but I, I've often been on the fence about Lenny McDonald, um, which 
I feel like in some circles is like absolute sacrilege, especially in Toronto <laughs> and and Calgary. Cal- Toronto and Calgary the places where like not being sure about uh, Lenny McDonald's Hall of Fame case is probably uh, something that will get you uh, ostracized. Um, he played from 73 to 89. 15 seasons, 11 of which were quality by points per game. He was 14th all-time at his retirement in goals with exactly 500 goals, which I think makes everyone very happy. Uh, It's a nice round number. Humans love nothing more than round numbers. Uh, He was also 23rd all-time in points with 1,006. It's worth noting he did that in 1,111 games, playing half his career in the 1980s. So just throwing it out there. Not a point per game player, played half his career in the 80s. Now, much of that time he was not the offensive player he was in the first half of his career due to it was injuries, right? Yeah, he had a lot of injury trouble near the end. A lot, it looks like. Yeah. Um, he was drafted in the Denny Pot Fan Draft in '73, and uh, so uh, we're going to talk about Pot Fan next episode um, because he was inducted the year before. Uh, McDonald is first in goals. Uh, ahead of Pop Van, but fourth in assists, second in points behind Pop Van. So he's the first forward, and he's second in point shares as well. Uh, so the first forward. So he, in his draft, he looks, he looks pretty good. Um, he was drafted fourth overall, and uh, that was uh, behind uh, Tom Lisiak and Dennis. I've never known how to pronounce this this Canucks name. Ververgate Garrett. Do you have any idea how to pronounce it? I do not uh, say it again. Verver Gert, Verver Gart, V E R V E R G A E R T. No clue. Uh, it must be long before my era. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he was playing. He was on Vancouver before you were born, he, and by the time you were born, he was on Philly or Washington. Oh. And you know, this uh, played 500 games in the NHL, so like not a. Anyway, um, so it's like you know. He's he's pretty clearly like Rick Middleton is the only other player um, in this draft uh, forward in this draft that really or oh, well Bob Gainey as a well, who we'll get to because he was also in the same draft but they're for very different reasons uh, he's in the hall um, Rick Middleton as a as an offensive player is the only player that you could argue I think was better and you know has has more is closer to a point per game than Lenny McDonald but of course didn't do the the thing that Randy McDonald did um, in terms of uh, scoring uh, 60 goals. Um, and there's Tom Lysiak, uh, but like, I think, you know, we're, we're talking Blaine Stoughton who lost a chunk of his career to the WHA. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's safe to say it's uh, at least offensively Landon McDonald. It's between Landon McDonald and Rick Middleton as to who are the two best forwards in this draft. And McDonald is the one who's in the hall of fame. Um, era-wise, um, of the 28 skaters who play in at least 902 games, so 11 modern seasons between 73 and 89, McDonald is second in goals, but he is behind, it's Dion, he's behind Dion by 163 goals, which is a lot of goals. Anyway, um, he's third in goals per game, so he's very much a top goal scorer of his era. Uh, tenth in assists, though, and 16th in assists per game, and sixth in points and eighth in points per game, so a top 10 offensive player. Uh, fifth in offensive point shares and uh, eighth in point shares. So he looks pretty good compared to his era, despite my complaining about uh, him not being a point per game player. 
His 82-game average, 75 points plus three. His three-year peak from 75 to 78 when he was on the Leafs, uh, 95 points per 80 games, so much better, and plus 25, which looks great. And it's worth pointing out that his best five statistical seasons are eight years apart, so this peak should actually be higher, except for the fact that he just like you know he had a he had that crazy year in Calgary, right? And was it Calgary? For, I think it was for Calgary. Yeah, for Calgary. And uh, and you know so that that is a ways from his like his best year as a leaf you know his best year as a leaf is in 76 and his best year for calgary was in uh, 83 so it's you can't really assemble a three-year peak like that uh playoff numbers 44 goals 40 assists for 84 points in 117 playoff games so definitely and minus 12 so definitely worse numbers in the playoffs and his playoff he looks he's a his playoff sorry his regular season era numbers look great his playoff era numbers do not look so good. 17th in playoff goals, 38th in playoff assists, 27th in playoff points between uh, between 73 and 89, and uh, 14th in goals per game, 46th in assists per game, and 26th in points per game. So not looking too good in the playoff side. Um, shocking to learn the adjustment for era hurts him, drops him 13 points because of when he played, down to a 62 points per 82 games. But, like, you know, that's... What, right in line with Woody Dumar. Um, the versus X adjustment uh, also harms him a fair amount, and he doesn't even qualify for the adjust, assist adjustment. But basically, Hockey reference adjusts him to 836 points, so that's down like 150. And versus X, uh, sorry, it, yeah, 836. And versus X drops him down to 831, so slightly lower. Finally, trades. We've been talking about so many players lately without trades, eh? Like, so many yeah. of these guys got inducted, and they either were not traded or they were traded for, like, nothing at the end of their career. Yeah, And kind of Lenny was tra- was involved in some actual real big trades, and, and two fairly close together, uh, two years apart. The first one was part of uh, Harold Ballard's infamous attempts to uh, just destroy the Maple Leafs for reasons that I've never... He gets to save money, right? That, that's the accepted, I think. Is it the yeah. accepted? Um, Notoriously cheap, but also kind of a little bit of a maniac, too. Yeah. So, um, he traded Lanny at, at 26, who was the second best offensive player on the Leafs, and one of the, you know, safe to say, it was Sittler, it was Salming, and then I don't know who's better, but I can never tell between goalies and fours. But there was Palmentier, and there was... Uh, McDonald and then there was uh, Turnbull. So, you know, McDonald was part of that core. And so he traded a 26-year-old member of part of the core with Joel Quenville, who was 21, for Pat Hickey and Wilf, uh, Wilf Paymont, who, at least in Wilf Paymont's defense, was younger than McDonald. But given that one of them is in the Hall of Fame and one of them isn't, and given that Paymall's time. I did not watch either of these guys play, right? But like Paymall was. I don't know if some of this was uh, just Toronto getting worse because Ballard was destroying the team or what. But like, you know, Paymall is a minus one forty-two in his career, and minus twenty-seven of that with the Leafs, which is nothing compared to his time in uh, on you know the, one of the worst franchises in history in the in the Scouts slash Rockies. But like. This is a guy who, I don't know. I on the one hand, I can see trying to go younger, especially when you're trying to mm-hmm. save money. On the other hand, like I don't know that Paymon's, uh, you know, he had that one great 
relatively great season in 81 where he had scored 97 points, but like also everybody, like what was Gretzky scoring in 81, like 200, you know, or close to it. So I don't, I don't know how I feel about the trade. I think a lot of people hated it at the time. I don't necessarily know that it's, I can see some logic in it compared Mm -hmm. to some, some of other Ballard's moves, but like, do you have any feelings about it? I don't know. Uh, it's 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 hard to say, right? Because I mean, anytime you trade a Hall of Famer, it, it's always I, unless you're getting back another one, it's always going to look bad. I feel unless uh, you know yeah. very specifically you you won the cup uh, because of that trade, you know. So it's yeah. uh, and the, the the Maple Leafs definitely did not do that. So <laughs> that is true. And yeah, I mean, I don't, I just don't know if Paymon actually made them any better because I mean, he, he it's not like he didn't score. He scored a lot. Uh, yeah. He just, I mean, he like. What was his points per game on the Leafs? I'll, I'll look it up. Um, his points per game on the Leafs is, uh, you know, over one. So higher yeah. than Lanny's. Because um, Lanny's was slightly below one, I think. But, like, also at that point, he actually became the star of the Leafs when Sittler, like, was chased out of town. And, uh, you know, and I don't know how much of, like, his best year. I don't know if Vibe was there yet or not. Because, like I said, I wasn't alive. Um, or I was barely alive, actually. Um so then Lanny McDonald, of course, spent like uh, some unfortunate time uh, with the Colorado Rockies, but not very long. Uh, and then he was fortunately for him traded to uh, the Flames at 28 with a fourth rounder for Don Lever, who was 31, so three years older, and Bob McMillan, who was uh, um, the same age. And this, to me, I mean, the Rockies are not a illustrious franchise. It should not be any... Surprise uh, that uh, they did this, but like I don't, I don't know like what either uh, Don Lever or Bob McMillan were doing offensively prior to this trade. I guess we can try to look it up, but like at least by reputation, the best player in that uh, trade is obviously Lanny McDonald. You know, Lever was. Like I said, 31, um, he had never put up numbers. Sorry, briefly, for actually, he had. Actually, they were uh, the Flames were trading high. He, he's, he actually, uh, I didn't realize this. He had his best years, offensive years of his career for, uh, for the Flames. He was only there for a couple of years. So they were actually uh, selling high on Don Lover. So maybe, maybe the uh, Rockies thought they were getting, I don't know, um, Hey, and McMillan had also uh, had some quite yeah. So so it looks as though the Flames had McMillan and Lever like lighting it up for the most they ever would in their careers, and they used that as like leverage to get, <laughs> you know to get Lenny McDonald. Yeah. So good for them. Um. So uh, Lenny won two awards. He won the Masterton in '83. He won the King Clancy in '88 neither of which we really care about for Hall of Fame purposes. He was a top five offensive player twice in 77 and 83 and top 10 two other times in 78 and 79. Um, He was top five in goals three times, top five in goals three and three times. He is one of only 12 players to score 65 goals once, and he uh, was one of only eight at his retirement. Um, It's worth noting that 65 goal or 66, I believe it was exactly, was, you know, significantly more than he ever scored before since certainly since he only scored 30 goals one more time after that uh, he had scored 47 once a few seasons prior to that but his 
his 83 season where he, he had 98 points and 66 of those were goals is like, you know, that was very much his best, his best year. It certainly as a goal scorer. Um, he didn't, he didn't have a lot of assists as I mean, he had 40 assists to seven times, but that's pretty standard. Um, he was top 10 points twice, top 10 points for him twice. Uh, two second all-star, all-star teams. So fewer than Dumart, but of course more competition. Um, he is 79th all time in the versus X peak adjustment in terms of best seven seasons for goals and 78th when it's up to 10. So that's pretty good, but assists, he doesn't even qualify unlike Dumart and points. He's at 150 for his best seven seasons and points at 145. So it's the goal. The reason he's in, the reason he, he looks good as goals. Um, he, he famously, famously won a Stanley cup last game of his career. Yeah. Um, missed over a third of those games. And I don't know if it was because of their injury or, or cause he was just a role player because, uh, I was what eight and, uh, uh that, that, that flames team was like super duper stacked. So I've been and it, yeah. a lot of like uh, third and fourth line minutes. Um, yeah. but I think, I think also he was getting to that point where he was uh, a lot older. And since they had some younger guys, they could rotate in on that fourth line that, uh, they would, uh, they would bring Lanny in sort of like, you know, whenever he was like, like, I, th- I think they sort of like load management. Yeah. You know, sort of, uh, just that he, you know, they really wanted to get him a cup and he was still, you know, he could still play very clearly, but like that team was like a juggernaut and yeah, uh, but they made sure to get him in the lineup. I, I don't know if he played every game in the finals, but um, we can find out. Yeah. I mean, that might take a little while, but... Uh, There's an old old video my brother and I used to watch, the 88-89 the Canadians, so I know quite a bit about that 89 Flames team, but obviously the whole video focuses on the half side of things, so, um, you know, he, I, I know... He played in half the final. He played in three games uh, in the final of six. But like like you said, it, it could very much have been load management and could have been they wanted younger legs versus veteran wilds, depending on the game, you know? Um, yeah, so, and he, of course, uh, yeah, so he, he, so that's a famous, that's a famous moment in hockey history. And I certainly think it's one of the reasons he was inducted, you know, literally the moment he was eligible, yeah. which he was. And the other, uh, I'm going to get into in a minute, but I also want to mention he did win the, the Canada cup in 76, but he had a, as far as I can tell by, again, I wasn't alive, but as far as I can tell, he had a role. A, a small role on that team because he didn't have a lot of points. And, you know, that would have been a, a t- the 76 team, you know, was probably fairly stacked with some, you know, like Lafleur and Dion, whatever. So I don't know if they were actually on it, but I assume they were. Um, so the other reason, and this might sound really stupid to some people, the other reason Lanny McDonald is in um, the Hall of Fame for sure immediately might have something to do with uh, his, I've actually seen this suggested on the internet, so I'm not the first person that's death this, his facial hair. And that might seem insane, but he has an extraordinarily recognizable face, right? Yes, more, more than almost every other player of his era. He looks different than everybody else. He has that mustache. Um, and he is prominent still to this day, in part because of his facial hair. And this is a man who was, to quote, a, a first ballot, so to speak, Hall of Famer, despite not being a point per game, despite having what amounts to four really like quality seasons offensively and who his playoff success consists of having one time 
being eliminated in the conference finals or sorry, uh, uh, with, uh, with the Leafs one time, making it to the, uh, the Stanley Cup finals in 86 when he was actually playing a role. And then, you know, like you said, Bill being on an extraordinarily stacked team to win in 89. Yeah. And I, uh, I, I think he probably, he was probably hanging on to win that cup and they, you know, kept having to try to get past the Oilers. So, you know, in, in 87 and 88, he was probably like, if we win, I'm retiring. If we win, I'm retiring. Yeah. He just kept hanging on. So, uh, you know, I think that hurts his overall numbers. But I think the fact that he scored, uh, you know, 40 goals in Toronto uh, three years in a row is the number one reason that he's in the hall. Um, number two being the mustache. <laughs> uh, but then he also, when he got to Calgary, it's the 66 goals, right? That, that's yeah. like, that's a, even for the 80s, that's a pretty absurd number. Yeah. So I, I, I think the fact that he had three great seasons in Toronto and then like an absolutely brilliant one as soon as he got to uh, to Calgary um you know sort of cemented him and then the you know the romanticism of the you know the old guy trying to get the cup before he retires yeah. uh you know so I I, I I think those are big reasons he's in but he scored 500 goals and had a thousand points and yeah I think at a time when that still meant something oh, yeah and that meant a huge deal and he, he you know he sort of he probably played an extra 200 games like if they'd won in 86 he probably would have retired and i think he played those yeah. extra three seasons just the try to win the cup knowing how good the team was. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, the, the, the not reaching a point a game is because he was hanging on to win that cup. Not because, you know, he, otherwise I think he would have just retired and been like, you know, this is time to call it a career kind of thing. But uh, I mean, that's not entirely true. Cause he was never, he wasn't even a point per game player in Toronto for his entire stretch in Toronto. He's 9.9. That's uh, I'm quibbling, but I, I think winning the cup really, really helped him. I think if he had retired before they won a cup, and I think you're right. I think he was hanging on, but I think if he retired before they won a cup, I'm not sure. I I mean, he might have gone in eventually. I don't think he's inducted in 92. Like, he retired in 89. He's inducted in 92. Like, it's, like, immediate. And there are lots of people who have had better careers. Right. Uh, You know? (laughs) But, but, but I mean, think think about how crappy the Leafs were all through the seventies, they had him yep. and Sittler, right? And like, yep. so he's, he's, and you know, Toronto is, uh, you know, it's oh, Toronto, I'm not, Montreal, I'm not disagreeing with the narrative part of it. I think you're absolutely right about the narrative part of it. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting Testament because I think this is a guy who I, I think maybe is certainly by the standards of the, the, the real world hall as we're always talking about. He, he has a better case than a lot of people who are in the Hall of Fame, especially now. We've talked about all these guys, who, all these old timers who've been inducted, you know, since he was inducted and probably before, who don't have great cases. I do think that you know he's got, like you said, Bill, basically four years. This this yeah. this induction is based on four years and the fact that he won a cup, and it's. That's I don't know if that's a standard that like a perfect world Hall of Fame wants to set, but like it's obviously a standard that like plenty of <laughs> current hockey Hall of Famers don't meet. Um, and you know that also that, that like you said the 500 goals, the 66 goals. I think the 66 goals is a really really big thing because at the time that was an elite group of eight guys, right? Yeah. Like it was it was uh, Gretzky. Espo, um, I don't even know who else. Uh, it happened in '83, so 
did Lafleur score ever score sixty six? I know he scored sixty something. Uh, maybe Bossy had scored that many. I don't. I, I'm not. I'm having trouble remembering who all the other people were, but it wasn't a lot of guys. And not a lot for sure. Um, it was. Uh, it was just really. You know, it's one of those things where they people see that 66 and they go, oh, that's really impressive, and they don't pay any attention to the 32 assists and the minus one. Um, but uh, it's like, I, I, I get the narrative reasons why he's in. I'm very on the fence and, like, very much in a perfect world Hall of Fame would absolutely not include him. And I wouldn't include Dumart either, obviously, I just want to say. But, like, in this real-world Hall of Fame, I, I think there are plenty of people to kick out first. Um, I just like not even the best player ever on a playoff team. You know, we're talking about when he did have these great, these four great offensive seasons. They were not, you know, he was was a top five offensive player in two of them by point shares in '77 and '83, and he had. Um, let me find his totals for for us. Um, '77 he had 90 points. He was eighth, and in in um. Uh, in uh, 83, he didn't even make the top 10 in points because it was mostly his goals that he was, um, you know, uh, you know, that were bumping up those point shares. Anyway, I just, I just think there is absolutely a case for him not to be in, but I, I'm, I, I'm not going to kick him out because there's plenty of other people. I just, I think it's, I think a lot of people, there's, he has this image that works really well of this like guy who, you know worked hard his whole career. He's, he look, he's really memorable and he may, he waited for that cup, like you said, and yeah. he did have those good years, but it's like, you know, you compare, you compare his career to a lot of other people and there's, you know, there's, it's just not, you didn't have yeah. the same kind of uh, accomplishments as a lot of other people. Yeah. Well, I, I think back then 500 and a thousand points were like the magic numbers. Yeah. Sort of. You're a hundred percent right about that. Yeah. And, and the fact that he, he was, you know, let's let's call him the lead second best player through the seventies, and call Sittler the best. Um, yeah. You know, the, the uh, fact that the Leafs were normal? so bad, and they have nothing to like celebrate or anyone to put in the hall. It definitely has a lot to do with why why he went in so quickly. I think he still would have got in a few years later anyway, even if he didn't play in Toronto because of those magic numbers. Yeah, I know it is a really good question. Like, what if he had been playing on the Ro- the scouts in the Rockies instead of Wolf Pamel? You know. Mm-hmm. Would would people have cared? I don't know, because like, obviously, he would also have a way worse minus than he. You know, he has a he's plus. What is he plus? Uh, I don't remember what it was. Thirty nine. He played on a different franchise. He would obviously would have been worse. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see a different yeah. history where he wasn't on the lease. But you're right. I think being the the second best forward, the lease of the seventies, with apologies to Norm Elman and old Dave Keon. Um, you know, I think has has a lot to do with it. So, uh, drafted the same year as uh, Landon McDonald and a very, 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 very different kind of forward. We have Bob Gainey, um, who played from 73 to 89 as well and with so very parallel careers with numbers that are like not even remotely close to each other. Um, he played 16 seasons, five are quality by points per game, but of course that's not why Gainey is in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he scored 239 goals, 262 assists, 501 points, but an incredible plus 201. How are you plus 201 and you only scored 500 points? Like, I don't understand how that works. <laughs> Played for the house. That's how. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, and all he did all that in 1160 games. So if you know nothing about Bob Ganey, you are probably like, what the hell is going on? And we will get to that. Um, uh, obviously, there are no, there's nothing to talk about per game. The guy didn't even uh, score a point five per like he his his points per game for his entire career are point four three. So, um, in his draft class, the same one as Landon McDonald and Denny Pompey, he is actually only seventh in goals. I was surprised to see him that high. He's eighth in assists and fifth in points. That draft sucks. Fifth, fifth in points, <laughs> 500 points. Um, second in plus minus because Denny Potvin is like plus 400 and something or other. So Ganey's, you know, Ganey's second with the plus 200 and 18th in point shares. And that's because he didn't score very often. But first in games played. So he did play a really long time. Th- this is this is quite funny. Um, of the 28 skaters to play in at least 902 games or 11 modern seasons between 73 and 89, Guinea is 17th out of 28 in goals, last in goals per game, last. Uh, 25th in assists, so fourth last. 25th in assists per game, fourth last. But it's worth noting he wouldn't even qualify for the Holly, uh, um, hockey reference qualifier. They require you to score 300 career assists to get on that leaderboard. So I had to fudge that. 22nd in points and last in points per game. There are defensemen in this. He is last. But he's 6 in plus minus. He's he's 13th in defensive point shares and third forward. Um, but he's 27 point shares. He has 82 game average, 35 points. 35 points per 82 games, plus 14. So again, what the hell are we talking about? We are getting to it. Um, 82 game average of, uh, or sorry, 82 peak is is an 80 game average of uh 45 points plus 17 um which is you know slightly better than his regular 82 game average but like also like what his playoff numbers 25 goals 48 assists 73 points in 182 playoff games he was third all time in playoff games played when he retired which is a hell of a lot um arrow wise in the playoffs he doesn't he looks in some ways better, but some ways kind of worse. I can't decide. 34th in playoff goals, 47th in goals, playoff goals per game, uh, which is like last, second last among the players who actually qualify for the leaderboard, uh, even though it was 89 skaters initially. Uh, 29th in assists, 32nd in points. We're talking about, you know, very, very middle of the pack, but in some ways, at least sort of sort of better relative competition it's hard to tell um and uh but third in games played the uh, hockey reference error adjustment of course hurts him it drops him from 35 points per 82 games to 29 so minus six um and then versus x he doesn't qualify for any adjustment because he didn't score much so why the hell is bob Ganey in the hall of fame legend has it and i've never been able to verify this Bill, I don't know if you have. Legend has it that the Selkie Trophy was literally invented for him. That is the story I've heard. That, I've also heard that, yeah. Yeah. Now, I have tried to find an original source for that on occasion, not recently, but like a couple times in the past, um, because actually someone once emailed me, because I had mentioned it on my blog, and someone emailed me, and they're like, do you got a source for it? And I went looking, and I found just people repeating the legend. Uh, so I don't know. I, I did not find a news article. I also must say I, I looked online I, mm. I and I didn't like go into like press readers and start like, you know, reading like yeah. microfiche or whatever. 
<laughs> at a library. Like I, I'm you, not. You, you, I, just read everything that Red Fisher ever wrote, and maybe you'll find it. Um, yeah. Man, like, but, but that, but that is that is the legend, and if it's true, mm-hmm. then that is the reason. He, uh, in addition to winning the Selkie, the you know the the uh, most ever, along with Bergeron, um, you know that that is certainly a pretty damn good case to have a, a trophy invented for you. Yeah, well, just people must, you know, if if the legend is to be believed, and I, I've definitely heard it repeated on Montreal radio quite a few times, um, yeah, you know, by, by various people. Um, but just maybe they didn't directly like. There's no one who had said, "Yeah, we made that trophy because of Bob Gainey." Maybe just he was so good defensively, and they realized, "Hey, we don't actually acknowledge how good some of these guys are defensively," and yeah. Gainey is so dominant defensively. And we have no way of telling people he's one of the best centers in the NHL. How do we do that? And maybe maybe he sparked the discussion. But yeah. that is kind of creating the trophy based on one player, right? If yeah. he's, he was that good that, you know, you and, almost had to make that trophy for him. It's like, okay, well, that's, you know. And I was not alive. You know, like, he, I was like a baby the last time he won the Selkie. He won the Selkie four years in a row, the first four years it existed. Um, which lends credence to the idea that it was invented for him. But yeah. poor Craig Ramsey. Like, I, yeah. I didn't watch Craig Ramsey play, but, like, Craig Ramsey was, like, the dominant defensive forward of the mid-70s. Yeah. <laughs> Has one, like, legacy, like, we're giving you a Selkie in a bad year you had in the 80s because you're about to retire. And we're like, we really should acknowledge you. But, like, I, I just, I always feel for him because he is not in the hall of fame and i always wonder had the selkie existed in the um in the 60s like was it if it had been invented in 68 instead of 78 would Mm -hmm. craig ramsey have like two or three of them and be in the hall of fame um and isn't i i think he's eventually going to get in as a coach even though he doesn't i don't know if they induct assistant coaches but maybe they should because i know um you know back in back in 2011 when Vancouver had like the best power play in the league and he just like completely neutralized it in the final, he was the assistant coach for the Bruins. And yeah. that was a massive factor in uh, uh, obviously Tim Thomas playing out of his bloody mind, but like maybe, you know, sort of taking away what they did best. And then, you know, Vino and the Canucks never really adjusted to it. Um, yeah. Craig Ramsey had a lot to do with that. Not a lot of people know that, right? Like I think even Bruins fans probably, uh, unless they followed ev- everything about the team and, you know, listened to, uh, I, I think it was McGuire that said it on Montreal radio at one point. Uh, I, I can't remember who said it, but they were like, yeah, he's not getting enough credit. Like he, so he's like, and being that he was such a great defensive player. Yeah. Um, also something like with Larry Robinson, who we just talked about last episode. Um, he, you know, he was so good at the game defensively that he can coach it. Like he can, he can yeah. teach people how to, you know, take away like the the most dangerous play all the time, and it really shows when you get a great defensive player like that who coaches. It really, really shows, and I think that's why maybe a guy like Gretzky, who's you know, yeah, all I intuition. Always think, I always think it's or, but probably you know, the, at least the greatest offensive player of all time. And people are like, oh, he's not that good of a coach, and it's like it's hard for him to tell something how, people how to do something that comes innately. To yeah, you. yeah, like it's just you're. You've just figured it out, and there's just no way to translate it. But defensive yeah. play, you can sort of coach that stuff up. And so yeah. those great defensive players make way more of a difference as a coach. Um, so we're getting really far off topic here, but I just want to mention a very controversial but weird <laughs> uh, play, a Hall of Fame idea I heard 
for I apologize. I haven't I haven't said anything about basketball in a while, uh, so should be happy about that. Um, so Zach Lowe, the host of the Low Post, the best basketball podcast, if you're interested, had this kooky Hall of Fame idea, which is that like if you're very good at like three or four different things in your career, but not the greatest that maybe you should get in the hall of fame because you were like, so he was talking about Danny Ainge and how Danny Ainge had a great college career, had a fine NBA career, yep. but then was for a while. And now, now if any, any basketball people are listening to this, we're going to get like attacked on the internet, but like for a <laughs> while was like the best executive in the NBA. Now he's, he, that went to his head and he started behaving very weirdly and doesn't have a job anymore in part because he thought he was so good that he stopped making deals because no one would deal with him. Um, but, or he would never make the deal, but, uh, he was like, and he mentioned Rudy Tomjanovich, who is a, a, a basketball player who had his career cut short by an infamous punch, but who was in addition to an all-star player before he, his career was essentially ended was also an excellent, briefly an excellent head coach. And he was sort of saying like, if guys are like really good at more than one thing, maybe they get inducted for the body, like the, the versatility yeah. as opposed to the skill. And I was like, I don't necessarily know that I agree with that, but I was like, yeah. that's an interesting thought. Cause there are people who have in hockey in particular, there are people who have, you know, toiled a really long time at different levels, sometimes as a player and then as a coach and then in the front office and done a lot and not always with the, the special, the best title, right? Not necessarily head coach, not necessarily GM, but have done yeah. all this stuff. And maybe anyway, that would just open up the hall even further. On the end. And there's one thing I think we're agreed on. It's there's too many people in it, but uh, <laughs> anyway, it was way, way out there. Um, but Bob Gamey would make it as a result too. Cause he was also, also with GM for a while. Right. And uh, that would be, that would probably add to his, uh, add to his reasons um, for being in. If, if he didn't have the four selkies, yeah. um, he also of course won the consummate. And this is a controversial consmith, I think, safe to say, uh, because um, he won it when he won it, 79, and he was he had his far and away his best playoff in terms of scoring. He was a point per game player for the only time, not only in his playoff career but in his regular season NHL career. And so I think people saw that in addition to his defensive play and thought like, if this at one year we should give it to him. Um, both Lemaire and Lafleur had much better offensive seasons or playoffs, but of course they they tied, so they probably split the vote. I don't know what the consummate voting was. Yeah, and Ganey, of course, was um, his usual self, and presumably at some point the like best defensive player or best defensive forward in the NHL narrative got really into high gear, and uh, you know he. Um, do they show the voting? They don't show the voting, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I have no idea. I didn't watch it. I don't know if he deserved it, if he was that good at shutting down whomever. I have no idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was he was the he was the captain of the Habs in '89 when they played against Lanny McDonald, who we just talked about. So there were sort of like two old guys going for their cup, cup rate before they retired, except that Beanie had already won five, so it, yeah. it was no like no like everybody pulling for you kind of narrative. Um, yeah. 
Um, yeah, so like you said, Bill, he won five championships. He was only a top three forward by points that year. He won the Conn Smythe. Otherwise, he was top six or top nine. Again, by points, we don't know ice time, which is with Ganey is a thing you really need. He also won a Canada Cup, uh, the same one as Lanny McDonald, and he, he also had role player level points, but that makes sense with Ganey. He would have been there specifically to shut down some like Czechs and Russians. Yep. Um, he also won two bronze medals at the World Championships, which is not something I knew before I did this. Um, I mean, for me, I, I, I definitely, I think elite defensive forwards should be in the Hall of Fame. I still don't know how I feel about Carboneau, but I, I, I do, generally speaking, think they should be in the Hall of Fame. And I think it's hard to know whether or not the award was invented for Ganey, but he did win it four times. Yep. And in addition to that, it's not like any of those times were like egregious. Maybe maybe the 80, the 80 Selkie. He was a minus one in 80. I have no idea. But like the other three, I doubt were egregious. Um, yeah. I didn't watch him play, obviously. He, his reputation is is kind of is 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 it is what it is, and it's it's I don't you know having not watched him play, it's hard to know. But like everybody who watched him play, thought he was one of the best defensive forwards in history. Yeah. So it's hard to like say no, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's it's and and then he sort of passed that great defensive forward torch to to Carboneau. Um, yeah. And he's also in, and it's like, well, you know, these the Habs have been that way for a really long time. Like, have focused on the defensive side of, uh, of of hockey and trying to dominate that way. But like, you know, if you're a great defensive forward and you still put up, you know, let's say average second liner minutes, but you're elite defensively, so you you don't necessarily play on your team's top line because we always think of the top line as the as the uh, the highest scoring players. But if you're like and we have no way of checking this because we don't have the stats for the Corsi and all that kind of stuff. But like, if you're just dominating position and you're dominating the shots on the other team and you're, you're controlling play five on five, you score more five on five to like a pretty significant extent. Like it kind of tells you this guy's really good. Yeah. Um, a really good example would be right now, uh, Philip Deneau from Montreal. Yeah. Um, and you know, like McKinnon's on record as saying he's like the hardest guy to play against. He's super annoying to play against. I mean, and, and, and that I, I know this, I know this from watching yeah. loose games. Yeah, like it's just they're 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 always a plus line. Like they will outscore basically. I would say probably any line except for Boston's top line. If you put them against the top line, they're gonna outscore that that top line. They will shut them down and. You know the turnovers that they create end up with chances for them, and they end up scoring. And it's if you look at the sum of those parts of that line, um, Gallagher's obviously uh, you know like a pretty elite goal scorer. Uh, you know, third, well, not elite, uh, very consistently good. Um, you know, like he's going to put up thirty basically every year he's healthy. And then Tatar has you know for a left winger he puts up quite a few points. Um, you know, but like Dano sort of drives the like like that dominance of that line and and. If you look at each of those players individually, they don't seem to be doing anything. But I think the thing that makes it really work is having that dominant defensive center where the other team just can't get anything going against them. Yeah. Um, so I I was just trying to think, like, is, is Ganey, is there anybody, um, anybody, especially a forward, who has as high a plus minus as Ganey does, who scored so little? 
And if if you'll bear with me, because of course, though I thought I was logged into Hockey References Stathead, um, I'm suddenly not. So give me a moment. But I may I may be able to tell us all if we just um, uh, give me a second because I'm curious about this now. Um, so Ganey is plus two hundred one. So let's say all all the players in history who are at least um, have at least a plus two hundred, and we'll sort them by points per game and see what happens. And oh. Um, I didn't press. I I missed a button. Let me try that again. <laughs> this is very entertaining content. It's going great. <laughs> um, so, so Ganey is fifty seventh out of seventy one players, and every player below him is a defenseman in terms of points per game, and the first forward is uh, Craig Ramsey at fifty one. The the next forward above him, um, it's it's yeah, like he is he is one of if you take the bottom 20, so there's 71 players to be plus 200 in NHL history. If you take the bottom 20 players, only two of those are forwards. The rest are all defensemen in terms of points per game. And it's Craig Ramsey and, and Bob Ganey. And Craig Ramsey has 0.2 points per game more than Bob Ganey for his entire career. So, like, if we had cut it off, you know, we'd say, like, you can't score more than, like, 0.6. It would just be yeah. Ganey who would be on that list. Everybody else is a defenseman. And so, you know, again, not having watched him play uh, and only going on, like, reputation, I think that is a reasonable proxy for saying, like, you were doing something right. You never scored. Never, right? 0.43 of the points per game is really, really low, especially given when he played. And yet he is plus 201, which is, you know, given that we don't have ice time, given that we don't have possession stats, the best we're going to do, I think. Anyway, that was my attempt yeah. to at least come up with some evidence that he was actually, like, actual evidence that he's actually. Yeah. Uh, All right. So lastly, we have uh, the one guy that Bill and I agreed. Um, we, we, we wanted to save him to the end because we figured if we talked about him first, it would be a weird, <laughs> it would be a weird conversation. Yeah. And he could be, in many ways, he could be the most underrated uh like great player ever it's possible at this point I, i'm not yeah. sure that's uh, an insane thing to say and we are talking about marcel dion uh, and before i continue um i have not eaten in his restaurant um in niagara falls but my girlfriend has uh, so there's that uh, which is apparently full of memorabilia cool. um, he played from 71 to 89 18 years um 17 quality by points per game and honestly i don't i guess Probably that final season when he was maybe holding on too long, uh, where he was under. I'm just gonna take a peek. Yeah, point twenty two points per game in the last um, season there, so not great. Uh, oh no, point sixty two. So I don't know what I'm talking about. There must be one year. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, scored seven hundred thirty one goals. It was second all time in his retirement behind Espo. Uh, or sorry, behind How. My apologies. Uh, he's now fifth all time. He scored 1,040 assists, and it was third all-time behind only Gretzky and Howe as retirement. Can you believe that Gretzky already had more assists than Dion in 89? Wow. It it wasn't even a decade in the league yet. Um, And then Dion had 771 points, again behind Gretzky and Howe at his retirement, and now six all-time. 
He was 11th all-time in games played at his retirement. He was uh, 6th all-time in point shares at his retirement. And he was 10th all-time in offensive point shares. He is 10th all-time in offensive point shares. At his retirement, he was 4th behind only Howe, Gretzky, and Esposito. It is nuts to me that Gretzky had already passed him in assists and points and in offensive point shares at his retirement. But that's because it's Gretzky and Jesus. Um, per game, he is 15th all-time in goals per game, 10th all-time in assists per game, and 6th all-time in assists. Uh, points per game and behind um, he's behind uh, Gretzky Lemieux and off the top of my head I'm not sure who else uh, draft he dra- he was drafted second behind Guy Lafleur in 1971 he is first in goals ahead of Lafleur by over 150 in wow. his draft class he is first in assists by over 250 he is first in points by over 200 he is ninth in plus minus. He is second in point shares, and he's second in games played. Um, now, of course, hockey reference doesn't let you sort the draft by points per game. So Lafleur, I don't know. Lafleur's comeback really hurt his points per game, so I have no idea um, where the two would rank. Error wise, uh, he of the 18 skaters play in at least 984 games or 1,200 minor seasons between uh, 71 and 89. You're going to be surprised, Bill. He's first in goals. By nearly 200 goals, he's first wow. in goals per game. He's first in assists, again, by nearly 200 assists. He's second in assists per game, which is crazy, but that's because Gretzky might have... No, can't be Gretzky. I don't know who would be. He's first in points by nearly 450 points. He's first in points per game. He's 15th in plus minus. He's first in offensive point shares by over 30, which is, like, some guy's careers, but, like, you know... Is, is like very, a number of good seasons. He's 10th in defensive point shares at 18, but fifth forward. And he's third in total point shares, but the first forward. And that that overlap, I think that overlaps with the, maybe with the pot fan, who would be one of the two defensemen ahead of him. I don't remember the other one off the top of my head. And he's first in games by nearly 150. His 82-game average is 107 points, plus two. And his three-year peak from 78 to 81 is a rather incredible 80 game average of 134 and plus 37 playoffs 21 goals 24 point assists and 45 points in 49 games minus 23 so now we know why people think he's overrated or don't talk about him that much because his playoff numbers are not good as everybody knows who knows anything about Dion. um he also looks terrible Era-wise, in the playoffs, 77th in playoff goals out of uh, hundreds of skaters who played in 41 playoff games between 71 and 82. Uh, 123rd in assists, 105th in playoff points. And the per-game numbers don't help him that much. 23rd in playoff goals per game, 50th in playoff assists per game. He didn't actually make that leaderboard. And 33rd in playoff points per game. So, that's awful. Uh, But... I think it's there. There are some caveats that are really important to mention. Um, maybe and now is per, the best time. The Kings were awful. He rarely had support. He was the best player on his team the entirety of his career. There's, I don't think there's anyone close. Yeah. And he also played part of his career at a time when shitty teams like the Kings made the playoffs. You know, <laughs> they, they at one point the NHL was was putting two thirds of the league into I think two thirds right in into the playoffs every year. Yeah, there were, were twenty one teams, so only five yeah. teams made the playoffs at one point. Yeah, yeah, so even more than two thirds. Um, and so uh, like it was actually three quarters. And and so the Kings, who were not good, 
made the playoffs and then of course faced some kind of juggernaut um you know he's he his minuses honestly the fact he was getting like killed all the time um you know his minuses aren't that bad um and he actually is plus in at least one playoff but the other thing is of course dion would have been the target of everybody you know of the i don't know how much they play with schemes at the time but like yeah. if you're trying to shut someone on the kings down you're trying to shut down dion yeah very clearly and i think it's probably worth thinking about if anyone just looks at his playoff numbers and goes yeah well you know who cares about his regular season numbers look at it minus 23 45 points 49 games garbage well like if you had an entire team trying to stomp you and your team sucked you shouldn't have been in the playoffs in the first place <laughs> you do i do wonder like for guys on other teams who maybe don't have any playoff disappointments because their team just sucked the whole time or who are the teams were just slightly better enough that they got better competition or like worse you know what i mean competition that was less dominant um i do wonder um how how this would have affected dion if he'd just been on a slightly better team or a slightly worse team because if he was a slightly worse team he wouldn't have perhaps as many playoff games for people to point at being not great and if it was a slightly better team maybe they would have missed out on some of the like they probably faced the the best team in their conference almost every playoff right uh well yeah in, in, they, they had the divisions back then but uh yeah sorry in the they, division they, I mean. they very famously beat the oilers one year they came back against the oilers and had this like remarkable comeback i think it, i think they call it the miracle in manchester um, was that in 82 <laughs> yeah it was in 82 yeah it was like right when the oilers first got into the league and like yeah. gretzky and everybody just assumed they were gonna destroy somebody but turns out they kind of couldn't play defense yet <laughs> um, yeah. so uh, so that was like a shocking upset, but yeah, then, then after that, then they had to play the Oilers every year and the Oilers kept getting better. So, um, and, and in that series, Dion was, uh, well in that overall playoff, Dion was 11, uh, 11 points in 10 games and plus two. So, yeah. which is fine. <laughs> the one, yeah. The one time that they were actually good, he was good. Uh, good. The one time they were okay. <laughs> um, You'll be shocked to learn that uh, hockey references adjustment hurts him uh, minus 16 points per 82 games, but only brings him down to 91 points per 82 games, which is still excellent. Um, He's 18th all-time in adjusted goals, 20th all-time in adjusted assists, uh, 14th all-time in adjusted points, and he's not in the top 25 per game in part because, as we've talked about many times, the hockey reference adjustment favors different errors, but... If you raise the qualifier to 820 games, he's 24th all-time in adjusted assists per game, 15th all-time in adjusted points per game, and you raise the qualifier to 1,230 games or 15 seasons, he's 11th all-time in adjusted goals per game, 13th all-time in adjusted points per game, and 6th all-time in adjusted points per game. I said uh, points per game for 13th assists, I mean. Um, versus X, he's 18th all-time in versus X goals. For, uh, he's 17th all-time in, in versus X assists and 14th all-time in and versus X points. Again, he's not in the top 25 per game without some kind of games qualifier, but if you raise it to 20, he's 21st all-time in versus X adjusted goals per game, 20th all-time in versus X adjusted assists per game, and 17th all-time in versus X adjusted points per game. We are talking about someone with, even with an error adjustment, he is, you know, provided you provide some lengthy games qualifier, one of the, like, you know, top 20, 15, 10, offensive player ever depending on how you which adjustment you prefer yeah um he was not drafted by the kings he was instead uh 
he was uh oh, this is very weird i suddenly sorry i just got stunned. i read that like the king signed him as a free agent what? <laughs> and I just, I really should have looked that up before, like, they traded for him, but, like... Yeah. Um, oh, what, uh, I, wasn't it Detroit that picked him? And then... Yeah, Detroit had Yeah. So maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe the Kings, like, signed him, like, they were up to shenanigans or something. Um, uh, let me see. Yeah, so, oh, the owner, so here's, so, um, Al, <laughs> um, Alan Eagleson, who was his agent, but anyway, the owner of the Los Angeles Kings offered Dion three hundred thousand dollars per year to play for the Kings, and as a result, that spurred the trade negotiations. Huh. And so then, at twenty-four, he was traded with Bart Crashley, who I'd never heard of, for Dan Maloney, Terry Harper, who was thirty-five, and a second runner that became Jimmy Roberts. Um, so you know, Detroit was not in a good negotiating position, given that like. I, I don't know how public that was, but like <laughs> the Kings were like, Hey, come play for us. And, um, so it's not a surprise that the, it's cents on the dollar. Um, and then later he was traded at 35 to the Rangers with Jeff Grossman and a third round pick to, uh, uh, yeah, like to the Rangers for Bob Carpenter, who was only 23 and Tom Lanelaw. Um, so two not given Dion's stature, two fairly insignificant trades, though in, not insignificant in, this, in terms of the Kings franchise, and I guess you could also say the Red Wings franchise, but significant um, in uh, in terms of uh, you know altering those franchises, but like the trades were not involving a lot of big-name players, is what I was trying to say. He also, uh, it's worth noting, won uh, the Eddie Powers, which I, the Eddie Powers is the uh, OHL in, in MVP, I think. Um My dog's being called. That's what's going on. Ah, yes, I can hear. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's what that noise was. Um, yeah, so he won the OHL MVP two years in a row as well. Um, I don't know why that's there and not lower down. It should be in a different category. Good job, Riley. Um, so he never won the Hart Trophy. Uh, he was always a bridesmaid, uh, first to Guy Lafleur and then to Gretzky, but he finished top five in Hart voting. Um Four times, of course, it also didn't help that his team sucked. A lot of people hold that against. Uh, he did win the um, the Pearson, as it used to be called, is now the Ted Lindsay. He won it two years in a row, um, in '79 and '80, beating out Gretzky in '80. He also won the Art Ross in '80 because he had more goals than Gretzky did. They tied in points with 137, and so the tie goes to the goal scorer, leading goal scorer. He was also top five in Calder voting in '72. Who won that year? Uh, um, Ken Dryden won it. That that's reasonable. Yeah, yeah. He also won the Bing in '75 and '77. And in our in our very very important heart series, we gave him the uh, the not the heart, but the MVP. The like your your team sucks, but you were the best player award in in 1980 because everyone cares about that. Um, he was a top five player by point shares three times in 79, 80, and 81. That was basically his peak, and he was the best offensive player in 80 by point shares as well. He was um, a top 10 player by offensive point shares a total of nine times, which is tied for the 10th most in history. He has all sorts of uh, impressive goal scoring, assist scoring, and point scoring um, 
achievements. I'm going to try and only mention a few of them. He had 50 goals, 55 goals, sorry, three times, which is only six players at his retirement. Um, he is one of only uh, five players to score 45 goals eight times, and the others are Ovechkin, Bossy, Gretzky, and Lemieux. He has one, only four players to ever score 40 goals 10 times, and they are Gretzky, Ovechkin, and Lemieux. And only two at his retirement, of course. Um, he's one of only three players to ever score 35 goals 13 times, and they are Gretzky and Gartner. And when he retired, he was the only player in NHL history to have done that 35 goals 13 times. Um, there's many, many others. You can look on our website, uh, all the different ones. There's so many of them. I don't want to read through all of them because I think we'll get very boring. Um, <laughs> Assist-wise, uh, oh, yeah, in goals, he was top five in goals six times, top five in goals per game five times. Assist-wise, top five in assists six times, top five in assists per game seven times. Um, he is one of only four, uh, sorry, five players to ever have 50 assists 14 times, and they are Gretzky, Francis, Coffey, and Sackick, which means he was the only player to ever do it as retirement. He is one of only six players to have 40 assists 16 times, and he was the only player ever to do it by 1989. And there's, you know, a bunch of, he did a bunch of other things, you know, in the assist world. He led the league in points once uh, in, in 80. Um, he was top five in uh, points per game six times. Points-wise, he scored 130 points three times, only four players. Gretzky, Lemieux, Esposito, 120 points six times, only four players, the same other three guys. 110.7 times. Just four guys again, but this time it's Gretzky, Lemieux, and Bossy. 100 points. Eight times. Gretzky and Lemieux are the only two other people to do that. 90 points 12 times. Only him and Gretzky, and he was the only player at his retirement to do so. 80 points 13 times. Gretzky, Howarchuk, and Messier. 70 points 16 times. How Gretzky, and Francis. 60 points 17 times. Um, only two players at his retirement to do it. Now seven. So... He was, by goals, assists, and points, not only did he have some peaks, but he also did it for a longer period than almost anybody else ever. Now, yes, some of that, some of the totals have to do with uh, when he played, but, you know, he was top 10 in points per game 10 times. He was top 10 in assists per game eight times. He was top 10 in goals per game seven times, you know. He has first, uh, two first-team All-Stars, which is great, because I was sort of worried he might not, given the position he played, but uh, yep. they were they were late in the, uh, you know, right at the very end there. Um, he had some in the late 70s before Gretzky came and stole them from everybody. Uh, also, uh, two second-team All-Stars and eight All-Star appearances, which makes sense. Best player on his team. The versus X-Peak. Best seven seasons, 26 all-time in terms of goals, 17th all-time in terms of assists, and 12th all-time in terms of points. And it gets better if you extend it to 10, which is no surprise given his longevity. 19th all-time in goals, 17th all-time in assists, 11th all-time in points. And we got to remember that that peak adjustment favors the 40s. And I don't know who those players are above him in, say, the you know the 10 players above him in the best 10 season points. I know Gretzky and Lemieux would be two of them. And, yeah. and how would be on there too. But like, it's possible that like Brian Hextall or somebody might be up there, you know? So yeah. <laughs> you got to take that with a bit of a grain of salt. He's probably better than that suggests. And he is by that a top 15 to 20 player ever. And that's of course total. That, the thing you got to remember about that though, this doesn't apply to Dion is also that is affected by health, but Dion was quite healthy. So he has no NHL 
playoff accomplishments. He didn't even make it to the conference finals. And that is one of the big reasons why people don't talk about him much anymore. But he did win a Canada Cup in 76, the same one as Ganey and McDonald did. He didn't score a lot. And I don't know what happened. I didn't. I was not alive. Um, but he did not score a lot. Uh, and he has an even smaller role by points on uh, the 81 Canada Cup team that didn't win. And I do wonder how much he was either hurt or was being shut, actively shut down. I, I don't know. I didn't, I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't see it. It's also worth noting that he was on the taxi squad for the 72 Summit Series. So he wow. technically, he might have, I don't know if he was given some kind of recognition for that. Uh, so he won, but he didn't play. Um, and then he also won the best forward award at the 78 World Championships, despite the fact that Canada only won bronze. And he won two other bronze medals in 83 and 86. So his hardware is a Canada Cup and three World Championship bronze medals and maybe a Summit Series, though he didn't play. And that's it. And I would say, and sorry about talking so damn much, but I was trying to get through all that. But Oh, yeah. When we get a guy of Dion's caliber, there's... There's so many impressive statistics that we have to get through and yeah. let people just how damn dominant he was, right? Yeah. But the big knock against him and the reason why people don't consider him one of the best centers in history is is playoffs and internet and you know, success and a lack of success in international competition, I think. I I don't know, like it's to me like you you're 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 punishing the guy for being on a bad team. Yeah. Uh, and and not just a bad team, like a, a bad his whole career team, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they just didn't have enough people to play with to sort of get them to even be a, a contender, really. So he played in ten playoff games in one season. This is the only time he made into double digit playoff games, and that was the year you mentioned, Bill, where they they upset the Oilers, and then they lost to your Canucks in the in the next round. Um, he, he played in nine in his first two C he, so no, no playoff games for the, the Red Wings, but in the first two, uh, playoffs, um, he had in, in Los Angeles, he lost in seven games to the Boston Bruins in the quarterfinals. And then the next year, just bear with me. He lost in six games to the Boston Bruins in the quarterfinals of course the late 70s Bruins were a very good team um and this that's like those are his three longest playoff runs he had in those playoff runs he had seven points in nine games in 70 in 76 which okay less than point per game but but a plus 14 points in nine games in 77 minus four and then 11 points in 10 games and plus two like these are not embarrassing statistics but every other time, they were a terrible team getting slaughtered by, you know, some better team. Yeah. And and by the time he was on the Rangers, um, when the Rangers might have been, no, the Rangers weren't good that one year. He was in the playoffs either. He was 35 anyway. I I feel very, even more so in a 30 team league. I think it's even more true. But I I feel bad for uh, these players who played in an era where they couldn't. I mean, Dion may have forced his way out of Detroit, but not to a better situation necessarily. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel bad for these players who played at a time when you really didn't move around much as a player, and now they're being judged 
because people might in, at least partially assume that they had some kind of control over like the front office, you know, yeah. which they didn't like at all. Yeah. It's not Dion's only, fault. And, yeah. That's it. Like if you, you know, it's uh, just look at Connor McDavid right now. Right. Like just, you know, if, if the whole, if there's no one else to help him out, then the other team can really focus on him. And when the whistles go away in the playoffs, then, you know, he can't build up his speed and he's just, and people will be like, oh, he sucks in the playoffs. Blah, blah, blah. Like, well, dude, he has no help whatsoever. Uh, you know, and so when, and, and it is, I don't, I don't know if it's a thing that used to happen back in the day, but having watched hockey my whole life, it's pretty much been happening my whole life. When the playoffs come around, you're, you've got to fight through those checks or you're basically, you're going to get shut down because just they let a lot more go, right? Stuff that I always be called the regular season by, by mid round one not getting called anymore so i didn't watch the jets or weathers game uh, games i watched maybe five minutes of one i was too busy i'll be honest i uh i watched the leafs completely i watched every basically every minute of the Leafs series and i watch basketball because that's my sport now um so i was not watching that but i saw someone on twitter say that they counted something like 150 penalties (laughs) against mcdavid that were not called and now they were exaggerating, but their point was no one was like the Jets were just like I I don't I didn't watch the series, but I heard from more than one person on Twitter, some of whom appeared to not actually be Oilers fans, saying that like the Jets were just like mugging him basically for the equivalent that I I should qualify that the 2021 equivalent of mugging because yes. of course you can't actually mug like he used to be able to in the 90s, yeah, but like. Um, and I don't know how true that is, but like, it wouldn't surprise me, you know, because like you said, Bill, that's what happens. Things that were penalties in the regular season are no longer penalties. And I'm sure it happened to Dio. I'm oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Anytime you're a superstar player and you, like there's no second line, there's no, you, you don't really have another elite player playing with you. Uh, you're you're going to have a very hard time in the playoffs. It's just, yeah. you know, they everything's laser focused. They play you night after night after night. So they realize some of your tendencies, um, you know, the, they get away with the extra hooker hold that keeps you from getting sprung on a breakaway, like all that kind of stuff. Right. It's just, and some players are able to sort of fight through it and their games built for the playoffs and other players, especially like elite scorers, if they don't have somebody else to take a little bit of the uh, attention away from them, they're, they're going to have a much harder time in the playoffs, which is why it's really impressive when somebody like that, goes just as bonkers in the playoffs and just can't be stopped because you know they're getting all the attention there's just nothing they they're so good that there's nothing you can do um so like here here are examples of of dion's help in 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 82 when they played in 10 playoff games the leading scorer on the kings was daryl evans who is somebody i have never heard of and i presume it was daryl evans because he was playing on dion's wing but i don't know he had 13 points to Dion's 11. I don't know what's going on there. Um, Charlie Simner had the same number of points as Dion. Uh, Dave Taylor had the same number of points. So his his line mates and one other guy were scoring a lot. And Larry Murphy had a great playoff, uh, 10 points in 10 games and plus three. And then it's like, so there's there's five guys in double figures in 10 playoff games in the 80s, in, in eight, like the prime of the highest scoring era ever. And then everybody else on the team scored five points or fewer, half a point per game or less, because there's nobody else. It's those four forwards 
including a guy neither us. Oh, I don't know if you've heard of Daryl Evans, but speaking of I myself, have. But, yeah. Okay. Well, it's, it's it's like a it's like a really famous old hockey clip where uh, L.A. came back and beat that Oilers team. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Heavily involved in that game. Uh, yeah. I seem to remember him scoring a couple of a uh, couple of very nice goals in that game. So. But like Bernie Nichols had four points and was minus nine. You know. Man. Um. <laughs> you know, Mark Hardy was a minus six. Uh. You know, it's it's, and then we can we can play the same game. You know, with the other um. With the other playoffs, like like look at Dion's best playoff in '77 when he had 14 points, um, you know, and uh, he had 14 points. Mike Murphy, not a star, had 13. Butch Goring had 12. Uh, again, there's like there's two other forwards to help him out. A Gary yeah. Sargent had seven after that, huh. and Tom Williams had seven, and then it's like. And everybody's a minus. Like everybody, Mike Murphy's a plus one, but everybody else on the team is a minus. Um, yeah, they just got outscored, and I mean, I, what's road? What are Rogie's numbers? Eight sixty-eight save percentage in the playoffs yeah. that year. Now I know it, four four goals against. Yeah. Like he, he doesn't have anything to work with, you know? Yeah, seriously. And it's like it's it's weird to me that we can forget that. And like I don't know where Dion. Oh, I should point out. Lassard in '82 also had an exact same eighty-eight sixty-eight, exact same save percentage. Wow. Um, but anyway, I I don't know where Dion belongs all time, and I I think it's really hard to figure it out because because in part of what happened to his career. But like yeah. it does feel like we have these best player ever conversations, best forward ever even conversations all the time, and he regularly gets forgotten because. He has no cups. He doesn't even have conference finals. And he, you know, his international accomplishments are like, I don't know what happened in the, uh, in the 76 Canada cup. I don't know whether the, the Russians or the Czechs or whoever won that year were like, or whoever came in second that year. I mean, were like playing him really hard because he was one of the stars or whether he just got played less. Cause you know, they, maybe the top line was all Habs. I honestly don't know. Yeah. 76 um, was that, uh, that big goal by, um, Sittler. Okay. That's, yeah. That's it, where, you know, Sittler fakes the shot and then goes wide and uh, scores under Zilla. So I, I think the uh, the goalie for the Czechs that year was so good. So scoring, I think everybody's scoring numbers were quite quite down. Yeah. Um. So the leading scorers in 76 were Bobby Orr, Danny Potvin, defenseman. <laughs> it's worth pointing out. Uh, yeah. Bobby Hull, uh, Perot, um, Aspo. Uh, so I don't know, like, you know, what lines were what. Maybe Dion wasn't even playing center. Maybe he was playing on a wing. Um, but like, you know, it was old guys, and it's possible that the old guys. I know you you mentioned uh, you mentioned Sittler, so not an old guy there. Um, but like, I don't know how many points Sittler had during that tournament. But like, his one Dion's one chance at at like international glory it's possible or one of two chances it's possible that they were playing other guys more because like you know how old was espo in 76 you know i mean yeah in this day and age you wouldn't be giving that ice time to espo because he would be too slow but he was already so slow anyway i just i think that it's like it's kind of unfair to dion this guy who had this incredible, incredible regular season career to just like decide that he doesn't belong in that conversation because like he played at a time in which he did not have control over his career to the extent that people do now. And 
like I don't know what happened with the Canada Cup games. I don't know why he maybe he yeah. didn't show up. If 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 there's footage out there, guys, of him getting like you know, of him passively skating around during the seventy six and eighty one Canada Cups and not doing anything <laughs> fine. The, there's an argument there, but like it's possible that like he just wasn't getting the right ice time. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 hard on those teams too when um uh you know if somebody's viewed as like a defensive liability they won't they won't give them the ice time even if they know they can score kind of thing right it yeah. happens all the yep. time yep. so i i i was trying to think of a, a of a, a comparable for like people don't uh often include him in like sort of the the best player conversations and uh the the, the closest one was a name that popped up uh, howard chuck uh, yeah you're yeah. stuck on a bad team for your whole career and it's like like you imagine you know sort of the success you could have if you just would have been lucky enough to be on a better team where you weren't pretty much the guy with you know eh, like let's say average help um you know like if you have another uh you know star player on your team maybe things are a little bit different um so it's uh what is it's a a tough one because the number the numbers show him to be absolutely elite like i mean it's you know, all those times you were saying there's only four other guys, and it's like Gretzky, Lemieux, Bossy, Howardchuk, uh, Esposito, FBA. Like it's it, it's yeah. it's the who's who of the list, right? I mean, he's yeah. he's up there with everybody. So um, if you just want to look at sort of like the purely best offensive players that have ever played, I I think he's probably top ten. Um, the other thing um, is like, what happens if? If they uh, now, I I think there was no way this was going to happen because Dion was playing in the OHL and that was probably seen as some kind of weird, weird decision that was not befitting a a Quebecer or something. Yeah. But what happens if the Habs take him instead of Lafour first overall? What happens to Dion's place in history? Right? Like absolutely. Lef- yeah. I don't know who was a better player. I'm not trying to say that Dion was a better player than Lafour. I don't know that I believe that. However, do the do the Habs not win all those cups with with Dion in place of Lafleur. I mean, they had the rest of those players, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, those I, teams I were incredible. Yeah, maybe that uh, maybe that like last one in uh, in '79 where Lafleur scored that big, that big goal uh, to tie it up against the Bruins with the too many men, that like really famous one. Yeah. Maybe they don't win that one because that was a great shot by Lafleur and all that stuff. But I, I think, but let's say they won. I think they won five cups during that uh, that era. And yeah. I would say they probably still win at least four. Um, I'll see and, then, like. and people think very differently of Marcel Dion if that's what happened. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And he's one of the greatest players of all time if, if he wins. Yeah, and his numbers probably retired in the forum, you know, which is yeah. like an even more exclusive club than the Hall of Fame. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's you know, it's a, uh, unfortunate circumstances. And then, you know, does, you know, what happens to Lafleur's career? Is he like... You know, does he end up staying in Detroit? Does he like what? Well, what happens with him? You know, it's a, it's 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 interesting to sort of have like a like a what if. But I feel like a lot of players who get that sort of like, oh, we never did anything in the playoffs, blah blah blah. It's like if you just drop him in and take like dro- drop him in with the guy who was drafted just behind or just ahead of him into a better situation, it's it's still happening. Like you're still yeah. gonna have those wins, you know, unless. You know, there there was a, a disparity where, hey, that guy was a complete defensive liability, and yeah. you know that kind of thing. But otherwise, like, you know, and sometimes it's a fit on a team or whatever. Sometimes, like, you know, Lafleur just fit better with the players the Habs had, maybe. But oh, it's uh, possible. 
But yeah, those Habs were so good, I would have a really hard time believing that you put Dion there instead, and suddenly the Habs yeah. don't win any cups. Like I just don't. Yeah, same. You that that strikes me as like a absurd counterfactual. Like just like, and again, I didn't watch these guys play. I wasn't alive for the first half of their careers, and I was a kid and a baseball fan for the rest. <laughs> but like, I I just he produced so much in such a shitty situation. Um, that I got to think that if he had better support and not, not just in terms of like playing with Lemaire and playing with shot and playing with um, uh, in the early days, uh, like uh, Pete Mahovlich and, and all that. Well, I guess early, early days playing with uh, Frank, but also with Cornea and all, all those guys, he also would have had Savard, Lapointe and Robinson. And the idea that someone who is, what did I say? He's uh, um, six all time in points per game. Wouldn't have like thrived <laughs> in a situation where like you know he had three of the best defenders of their era and all these other players. I just I I don't buy it, and I think that like it's really it's unfortunate that we as human beings in general, but especially as sports fans, we look back at the past and sort of assume a lot more agency of people than actually existed. Like Dion did not get to choose who drafted him. Dion may have forced his way out of Detroit, but he got himself, if he did do that, he got himself to LA. You know, he didn't, it's not like he got himself to like the Bruins or, or even the Leafs. I mean, the Leafs were better than right. Like, yeah. um, Oh, wow. Only the Leafs have been able to throw money at him. Um, Anyway, (laughs) I, I, I think it's like, it's, I have no idea where he ranks all time, but I think it's a shame that he sort of gets glossed over a little bit in these discussions because I think, I think so. It's, he was very unlucky. Yeah, yeah, well, and 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 sort of unlucky in that uh, you know he was a little bit overshadowed by Lafleur because he had the playoff success. He was overshadowed by uh, Gretzky and you know uh, sort of somebody coming in and you know like Dion was scoring at a you know, pretty prodigious rate there where it was like, wow, this guy's going to like maybe, maybe one day set the all time record. And Gretzky's like, Nope, I'm going to obliterate yeah. every record in the book. So yeah. you're not going to look as impressive anymore. And it's yeah. like, just, you know, sort of, uh, and, and just that playing on a bad team thing, man, it's, there's so many, there's there, the thing is, there's not so many of them, but every once in a while, there's a guy where you're just like, man, you played there your whole career. And like, just, like so many years wasted of like an awesome player and the team just couldn't get it together around them. Um, You know, a lot of people are saying that about the Oilers, but they do have dry They do have some other decent players. Uh, Buffalo should be a lot better than they are. And they're kind of doing the same thing with Eichel right now. It's just a mess. Like if he stays there and they can't fix whatever's wrong with them, like how, you know, he's going to lay his whole career. He'd be like, wow, that guy should have been, you know, one of the, one of the like more remarkable players and just, you know, like everybody's just, oh yeah, he scored a hundred points that year. Oh, he scored a hundred points that year, and like, yeah. oh, oh well, no cups, blah blah blah. Yeah, you know, and it'll sort of uh, get a little bit forgotten that way. So yeah, absolutely. All right, so to wrap up, what do you say about what do you do, Mark? Uh, I know why he's in because of the war thing, and since they put in the rest of the line, I'm okay with it. Um, okay. I don't see a reason to kick him out. I I know his numbers are not great, but I'm, I'm okay with it. I am not, but that's not really. <laughs> All right, Lenny, uh, Lenny McDonald. Yeah, 
yeah, I think he, I think he belongs. Just uh, he hit those all-time numbers, and uh, uh, you know, he was, he was an, he was an important player. And bonus points for the mustache. <laughs> I'm gonna say that like I, I'm not super thrilled that he's. Well, first of all, there was I hate the like first ballot stupidity, but like that they really went out of their way to do that. Um, given that there were probably other players who could find their way in, but I'm I'm really really on the fence. I I think in a perfect world Hall of Fame he wouldn't be in it. I think he's as I said before he's far from the worst inductee, but I am really really on the fence that I could be talked either way. Um, but I guess, you know, since he's in, it's fine. Bob Ganey. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, me too. Uh, and Dion. Yeah, total slam dunk. Yeah, yeah, slam dunk. All right. <laughs> that is it for, uh, this episode. And, uh, next episode, we have the Denny Potvin class. Um, Denny Potvin and Mike Bossy, and I can't remember who else, the 91 Hall of Fame class. So, uh, please tune in for that. And, uh, we will see you then.